Pretty clear. What the fuck are you doing, Danny? <laughs> I'm trying to put this thing up. Danny, you're fucking squeaking the fucking shit out of me. What, 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 why is that doing that? I was going to leave a message, you fucking idiot. Welcome to the Mouthpiece, episode nine, year one. Today, we're going to talk about, well, my poker episode last night. The up and coming World Series of Poker. Me selling 50% of myself on Ustake.com, along with an amazing interview with Mac Lance, who talks about the upcoming World Series of Poker, along with who he feels is the leading Democrat for the Democrat nomination. Here on The Mouthpiece, stay tuned. Welcome back to the mouthpiece. Uh, today we're going to talk about, uh, well, yesterday um, I uh, there was a, a big game going at uh, the uh, Aria. It started as a 2-400 mix, went to 3-600 mix, went to 400-800 mix. Phil Helmut, my man, he invited me to dinner. I went to dinner and he uh, said he'd stake me in this game. So uh, we get there. There's no seats open. Eventually, a seat opened, and little my good friend Phil, who was drinking a little bit, says, "I want to take the seat." All right, Phil, you take the seat. I'll wait for somebody else to get it. So uh, Phil gets in, and I'm we're having a good time uh, showing everybody uh, blockers for dummy videos that haven't seen it. Uh, it was pretty funny. They were all laughing their ass off. Everybody was drinking. This game was off the chain. And at the time, it was three 600. So I'm on the sidelines, like, salivating because Phil was going to stick me in the game. And uh, I'm like, uh, God, this game is so good. <laughs> I mean, the pain sitting on the sideline waiting to get in this game was... Uh, was painful so uh finally uh elia lesra gets up at about 1 15 a.m i after two hours sitting on the sidelines so i get a seat i jump in the game i basically sit down with ten thousand, which this isn't much for a four eight hundred game but you know it's uh i appreciate phil giving me a shot especially in a four eight hundred game uh and things have been you know tough for me as i've talked about in the past so uh we uh, get down to about 2,500, win a pot, win another pot, win another pot. Next thing you know, I got like 15 or 16,000 in front of me. It was pretty confident. Um, I was playing really, really, really good. Then came this hand where I just check called a number three and deuce to seven triple draw. And everybody couldn't even believe I check called. I, I said out loud, I go, I shouldn't even call here. Uh, and I made it on the end. Uh, just because of the way the betting went, he rate, I let out the um, first draw when I made a deuce three, six, seven draw. He raised in the two hole. And uh, that made me think he was drawn smooth. So uh, when I called, and another two people called, I brick on the second draw, he bets. Other guy calls, I call. I draw one, he stands pat. Now I'm really, really worried here that he made a a good seven because I, from the draw, threw eight, nine away and kept seven, deuce three. So with him having a seven draw, that means the other guy in there had an eight draw, which only leaves two eights in the deck. Now he could have made an eight, but I didn't like it. So now I catch a six on the end. Uh, so I made a, or a five on the end. I make deuce three, five, six, seven. I check, he bets. The other guy calls. I said, God, I hate calling here. I said, I think I'm drawing dead. And I call, and he showed a wheel, and everybody's like, oh, how could you just call there? I would have lost so much more money. I go, that's why I'm Mike Madison, and you all are fucking idiots. But 
course, you know, I've talked about it many times. I didn't get financially crippled because of my poker playing. I got financially crippled because of my injury, basically, and my, well, my sports betting over the years, but I, uh, I recovered from that. Uh, it just sucks that I had this injury. But the good news was I played, ended up playing four hours, pain-free, all night, no pain even in my foot, which was, to me, a very, very positive thing that came out, out of it. But anyways, I got back to 15,000. I get dealt one, I get dealt Ace, four, five, seven, Badoogie. And if it, for you out there, I don't know what Badoogie is. That's four different suits. Best hand is one, two, three, four, four different suits. Um, but a seven five's probably gonna win nine out of ten times. Uh, it gets raised, call raise, I three bet, call call. One guy takes one, guy Hanks in the middle takes two, and I'm Pat. Check check, I bet. Other guy calls, Hanks checks raised after drawing two. I three bet it. Uh, the other guy goes out. Hanks four bets that I call. He pats. I pat. Now, I mean, he could have a seven. Uh, the chances of him drawing two to a perfect, you know, wheel or a six are kind of doubtful. He also could have, you know, uh, he could have started ace deuce and hit a three and an eight. He bets. I call. Uh, he bets the river. I said to him, I said, damn, Hanks, because Hanks respects me. He knows that I got a pretty big hand. And um, I call, and I said, he goes seven. I said, seven what? Because I got a good one. And, of course, he had seven, five, deuce, three. And I had seven, five, four, ace. That was the big pot that I lost. I lost... Uh, Let's see, we lose 16, about 5,000 in that pot. So that means he called the raise with like deuce three and drew two. I don't think I've ever done that before. I always have to have like ace, deuce, or ace three to draw two, but what do I know? Anyways, that was bad. That was really, really, really rough. So then the next hand, he raises again in Badoogie. I looked down, I got one, two, four, nine Badoogie made. I three bet it. I said, who lost the last one? He calls. He draws one. I know he's drawn pretty smooth. I pat. Check. I bet. I go, I don't think you're going to beat this one, buddy. He goes, well, I hate to tell you, Mike, I just did. And he check raises me. Now, he's usually really honest with me. We're, we're pretty tight. But I have a feeling that he thought I was kind of weak and he might have made a 10 or even a bad 9. I should have three bet him right there. And then if he four bets me, now I know for sure I'm beat. But instead, I just called the check raise, broke the nine, and drew to the one, two, four. And uh, I drew nothing across spade. I was 33% for a wheel. But um, I think maybe I might, I should have probably four bet him uh, when he check raised me and said, I, I beat you again, Mike. Kind of rushed to it. So now. Uh, lose this hand and now I got about uh, 4,000 left in front of me then we uh, I got to about 3,600 after a couple of annies off and studied or better on the bring in with a 3 he everybody folds to him with a 7 uh, up he raises it I re-raise him I have two aces in the hole he calls he open pair 7s uh I open pair threes, and it looks like when I three bet him when he raised with a seven that, you know, I probably got like ace-deuce-three suited or or ace, you know, for three-four suited, you know. So when the pair's threes and he pairs sevens, he's going to bet every time. So he bets, I call. Fourth, fifth street, I catch a four. He catches like, uh, I don't know, a baby card, and he bets, and... I raise and he raises me all in and uh, he says I have three sevens I said really you know and now I catch a deuce so my board is ace ace three three deuce four so <laughs> I mean I uh, I get a scoop with an ace a scoop with a three I scoop with a five and I get half with a six seven or eight 
and it's about a $8,700 pot. And I hit a four across nine of spades, and I went broke after four hours. But, you know, um, I lasted four hours on, uh, you know, on 10,000 or four and 800 game. Got down to three, built up to 15,000, and just ran pretty bad. I, I, I thought I, for not playing for almost uh, two months, I was like seeing through the cards. Now this happens to me a lot when I take time off. So I, I've been telling people for a long time, I recommend when they run bad for a long time to, you know, when they come back, you, you it's, it's amazing how you see through the cards and every decision, like even the hand that I check called and I wanted to fold with uh, seven, six, uh, five, deuce, three and triple draw. I just knew I was beat. It, it, it's just so bizarre. Like even and even the seven five I had in Badoogie, I wanted to fold. I just felt my gut told me I was beaten. Oh, you can't fold that, Mike. What are you talking about? And I'm just like, just like I always talk about basic math. You know, they all talk about no limit and bullshit. And I'm like, I was born with a sense, an extra sense. And when I could look at somebody or I feel something, it's always right. And my gut told me in that even when I had the seven five in the Badoogie that I was beat. But you know, you just you just can't fold a seven. They are right. You can't really fold a seven five, a good seven five in Badoogie. But um, my gut told me I was beat there. My gut told me I was beat on the um, on the hammer I in the triple draw hand. And uh, well, I thought I played great, and uh, that's all you can really do. And you know, ten thousand is uh, what ten, eleven, twelve big bets. So. It's not that much. It's like a peanut in a four and eight hundred game. So I was happy for the opportunity, and I could have played more. He would have put me in more. I just felt after three hours of playing, one of the guys in the game who was kind of the live ones said he's only going to play like another twenty minutes, and I, I just didn't want to, you know, get buried uh, for Phil. So I said, "Listen, if I can't win with ace, ace aces up and it." Aces and threes and a wheel draw, any part of the pot, it's probably not my night. So I actually quit, and even though I was kind of down on the way home, I was also kind of happy. I felt I played really good, and the most important part of it is uh, I was paying three. So uh, with that in mind, uh, for all you out there that uh, don't know, I am selling 50% of myself on usteak.com. I feel that I'm going to have a big World Series. The last two years, people don't even realize it. So if you want, you can look up the stats yourself. I have played 37 events. I have cashed 15 with five final tables, including three 10K final tables, four 10K final tables. And I got 14th in the triple draw last year where I was three to one chip lead on the field with 16 to go. And then I do the four handed tables and the other two had the five handed tables with 14 to go. I'm sorry. And I made like eight, seven, eight, six, eight, five and lost every single hand. And somehow I went from three to one chip leader to out 14th last year. So it was pretty kind of depressing, especially after finishing sixth the year before I really had my eyes set on going farther in that tournament. But for all you out there, go to ustake.com and buy pack buy pieces of me in these 10Ks. I'm putting up half, I'm selling half. Financially, you know, I'm not in the greatest shape, but I am determined to win a bracelet this year. And there hasn't been anybody really that's probably had back-to-back years without winning a bracelet as big as I've had the last two years. And that's with me being in severe pain. So check out my packages. I, I gave out a fan appreciation package to all my 1500s. I sold 10%. Uh, I think they're already sold out, unfortunately. At, uh, I sold 10% of my 1500s. I did sell like, uh, I'm selling like 20% or 30% of my 25s or 3000s just for uh, the fans also. But it's important that I get in these uh, 10Ks and I sell half myself. So uh, most of them are marked up around 1.3, a couple are 1.2. 
the ones I marked up at 1.5 are the Omaha 8 or better because I believe that I deserve a 25% free roll in the Omaha 8 or better. I've only made 17 Omaha 8 or better final tables at the World Series. And I also marked the PLO 8 up at 1.5. The rest are 1.3 or 1.2. I think I made the stud 8 or better 1.4. I made three final tables in that, including winning that in 2013. So uh, that's it. You know, Most people consider me the best book game player in the world. And I, uh, I believe in my heart that I am. And I, uh, that's why I marked those up a little bit. So check out my packages, buy some pieces, and sweat me at the World Series. And all I could say is I promise you all that I will win you all money this year. I truly, truly believe deep in my heart I'm going to win a bracelet this year. Uh, maybe two. I don't want to get cocky, but I've been so close the last two years. I mean, even two years ago when I made three 10K final tables, something I had never done in my life, and then I finished 11th in the 50K, and I got so unlucky. I was actually chip leader of that with four tables to go and never won a hand for like four hours. But um, I will be putting up pieces of the 50k if things go well the first couple weeks of the world series for me and i'm about even i'm probably going to buy 20 percent of myself in the 50k and maybe 25 i'm not sure and sell the rest at 1.2 probably if i'm having a good world series so that's isn't listed up there now. I don't know if they put the main event. I am selling 40% of myself in the main event. I don't want to sell any of myself in the main event, but because people buy pieces of me with all the other 10Ks, I want to make sure that they have a shot in the main event, which is always the juiciest tournament of the entire year. So with that in mind, stay tuned for Matt Glantz. He'll be coming up shortly. The Mouthpiece. If you'd like to take part in our phone call segment, you can give us a call at 702-329-0480. And if you're a snowflake or a pussy and you don't want to talk to me, you can email me at mouthpiecepodcast at gmail.com. Also, follow me at the Mouth Mattiso on Twitter for times that our call-in segment will be live. Okay, my favorite part of the show. Let's hear some phone calls this week from some of my fans. Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike. Mike. Whoa, whoa. Who's this? Yo. Who's this? Hey, it's Brandon from Wyoming, America. Oh, that's a good place to be from. The Grand Tetons from Wyoming or Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I used to. I love that. Go ski in Jackson Hole. It used to be amazing. Uh, good place. What's going on, man? Hey, I'm just playing an online tournament right now. I saw your tweet. I didn't even know you had a podcast. Well, now you do. That makes me really excited because I just started a poker podcast this past year with my buddy. Mm-hmm. It's tiny. It's brandonthefish.com. Okay. But anyway, I'm playing this uh, tournament online right now. All right. Crushing it. All right. And I'm a tiny stakes poker player, but... So it's big time for me, buddy. Well, fucking win the motherfucker. That's what I'm talking about. I'm Come on, man. Let me get of... you jacked up. Win that motherfucker. Win that motherfucker. There Mike, you go. Mad a motherfucking south. That's right. Now you got it. Not only do I have my podcast, but I have my video vlogs coming out, and I'll be doing video vlogs from the World Series of Poker, the entire World Series of Poker. So those are going to be very funny to watch i'm a big fan of podcasts and i think you're perfect for it i love this i'm yep. subscribing today uh, they've been amazing i mean i don't i don't know which one's better than the first one the second one the third one i mean the mike sexton interview was incredible uh billy baxter interview was incredible <laughs> with phil almuth was priceless so i mean uh they've been they did they've been great and uh you know check them out give me a good rating Tell me what you think, and uh, you know, 
call in uh, next time we're taking some phone calls. Say hello. Yeah, I will for sure, buddy. I'm, I'm glad you have a podcast, and I'm definitely tuning in. You got it, man. Take care. Yeah, you too. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Yo, welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike. Hey, what's going on, Mike? Yeah, who's this? Dan from Brooklyn, New York. All right, Dan. To, uh, I wanted to ask you, but, uh, I know, I, know you, I see you tweet a lot about like, politics and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. What do you, uh, what do you think about uh, Facebook banning uh, I think it's, Alex Jones and a well, lot of the right wing? Uh, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I said it in 2016 after the election. And I saw it coming because they were shadow, shadow banning me. And I was telling poker players that I was being shadow. They're like, oh, you're full of shit. You ain't being shadow banned. And, and, uh, um, and sure enough, I knew I was. And I said, listen, they are going to make sure Trump won the election through social media. And they are going to make sure they will silence everybody that has a right-wing following and isn't a liberal. And if they end up doing that, it's, and if he loses the election, there is going to be war in the streets. And I really believe that. So I'm, it's disgusting. Yeah, I agree with you. It's, 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 I saw it coming because like, I don't know if you uh, watched Tucker Carlson last Friday, he laid out the exact same thing. They're not, they're not, they're not just coming for Alex Jones or Yylan Yiannopoulos. They're coming for you and me. They're coming for all of us because anybody who has a following that could, they, they've already banned 80% of right-wing media that reached 1.8 billion um, impressions. Now, do you think if 1.8 billion have already been suppressed that even though Trump's a stone lock to win 2020, that he's gonna? I mean, if, mm-hmm. if you can't get your voice out and everything you see on Facebook and Twitter and the news is all left wing and you can't fight back, how's Trump gonna win? People are just gonna believe what they see, what they hear. You know, exactly. I agree with you. That's pretty bad. I'm a big fan, man. I enjoy the podcast a lot. All right, it was good talking. To you. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling in, man. Tell all your friends. All right, peace. All right, bye. The mouthpiece. Welcome back to the mouthpiece. Today's guest is a good friend of mine and a pretty good poker player. He's got a lot of World Series poker bracelets. Um, how many? Oh, zero. Um, and he'll be looking to change that this summer. How's it going, Matt? What up, mouthpiece? What up, buddy? How's it going? What's uh, you excited for the World Series? Uh, the truth? Not really. Yeah. I'm probably. I, I think I get less excited every year. Yeah. Well, that's not a good sign. You have. I mean, well, <laughs> last year you played mostly cash, right? Yeah, I, po- I mostly play cash, and when the games aren't good, then I'll go over to the Rio and play, like, uh, whatever's available. But I do try to play all the uh, 10K, 10K mixed game events. That's not good. You got to, you know, if you're not excited, it's t- you can't win tournaments unless you want to be there. You know that. And... I don't know. It, like, five, ten years ago, it seemed like it was more exciting every time to go out. And uh, I guess you see the same people every summer, and, you know, you get sick of people, whatever, and uh, <laughs> you know how it is. It becomes monotonous. I kind of like the 10K mixed games because it kind of reminds me of the days at the Horseshoe where it was like a big family get together and you get, you know, it's the same people. So you get to make, you get to make fun of people. And one thing, uh, people out there don't know you, you're the, you you might be a bigger ball buster than me. I think you are. <laughs> And, yeah, uh, to- I totally agree. When we play the 10Ks, it's kind of fun. It, it is more like a family atmosphere, and like you know, everybody knows each other, so it it makes it fun that way. I, I agree with you there. I just like busting balls and talking shit. I know you like to do it, and then, you know, in the in the no limit events, you really you really can't do that. You know, everybody's you want to make people have a fun atmosphere, and you want to you know treat them good and. So you can't really do that, but uh, yeah, I, I kind of enjoy that. It's true, you know. In in high stakes mixed games, I always thought part of my job or felt part of my job was being an entertainer. Right, me too. And you can do that in the high stakes mix mixed games, but imagine trying to do that in a uh, high stakes no limit game or a pillow game. 
you know, people want to concentrate, people want to put yeah. the head down, tank, and figure out what's going on. So it doesn't really work well. Same thing with no limit tournaments. But right. in the high stakes uh, mixed game tournaments, uh, you can do a little bit of that too. So uh, you know, everybody knows my annex and your annex. We have a good time when we're together. Right. We yeah, absolutely. And and I do agree with Daniel uh, where it comes to you know people don't want to just have people at tables with headsets on a hoodie on sunglasses that don't say a word which i agree but there you have to you know try and be friendly and be fun at the table but like you said it no limit hold them requires so much more focus than like the mixed games you know, you agree there right yeah, because you could lose your whole stack. You're, you're, you know, everything you bought in for the day in no limit in any hand. But when you're playing a mixed game, you're playing a, a limited bets style. So, you know, if you lose one hand, it's not the end of the world. You could win the next hand and get your, all your money back. And it kind of makes the atmosphere a lot more fun. And, and people are willing to joke around and have a good time. Right. We pretty much know everyone. Maybe the ones we don't, after about 10 minutes, we pretty much get an idea how they play and... So we can we can have a lot more fun there and mixed games. Even though I I do believe it requires more skill than no limit to hold them, it is a game that once you in the different games once you've pretty much mastered, which I feel both of us have, it's kind of like riding a bike. Would you agree there? Well, everything about both of us mastering those games. I haven't mastered any games, but you know you're a lot more accomplished than me. You've won a lot of bracelets. You're Mike Madison, but me, I'm, regular, I'm a grinder, average poker player, you know, pretty pretty decent in each game, but not even close to mastering any game. So yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll always strive to get better. Well, that's good. I wish I could put the time in to strive to get better. I mean, a lot of these people are, you know, they play 12-hour days, seven days a week, but... I don't know. I just, uh, you know, with what I've gone through, my injuries and stuff, it's kind of, kind of hard for me to put the hours in now. But I, I, I try my best to play my best all the time. <laughs> it's pretty much all you can do, you know. Um, you know it's, it's interesting to say that a lot of poker players uh, felt from day one of poker that it's their job to, you know, get better at the game and the, the, the skills, the, the, you know, the game theory optimal side mm-hmm. of the game, right? Um, the skill sets involved and that was always part of my focus, but I, I learned early on, and I'm talking like, I guess I started playing poker full-time in 2004, and I, I think I learned early on, probably 2005, that part of being a professional poker player is being an entertainer, mm-hmm. and really wanting the players, the recreational players, to want to play with you. Right. So that was always a big focus for me, as much as the fundamentals of the game. Absolutely. And that, that really served me well. Um, I've been playing in a lot of uh, private and semi-private games for years. Um, I, I would tend, I think there's a lot of pros that hate playing with me. Right. And for good reason. Um, right. I don't give them a hard time a lot of times, but I can't think of one recreational player that doesn't really enjoy playing with me. I get phone calls all the time, get on text group chats and where they, they just enjoy playing with me. And there's a reason. I mean, I, I just try to be a gentleman and try to have fun. And, and I know they're there for enjoyment. They're not there they're not professionals. I'm not there trying to make a living. So they're there for entertainment. If you understand right. that, it goes a long way in the poker world. I agree. I'm able to play in, in a lot of um, home games that 99% of pros wouldn't be allowed because of the fact that I make them laugh and I put a smile on their face. They, Even though they know I play tight, uh, I also, you know, I, I bust balls against like, like a JRB or I, I make just try and put a smile and make people laugh and I could get away with getting in some private games, even though I don't give that much action where most people that get put in private games or get in, you know, they got to be an action type player. So, you know, that's well, you, you also have a big advantage over someone like me because you're a big time celebrity, you know, top, you know, whatever, I don't know, top five, top 10, top 20, poker celebrities, so people want you in those private games. They want to be able to tell their friends, Mike Manasso's coming over. It's a big draw for any yeah. game, so you know, you know, that's I, a big draw for you. I never really realized that till I, I played in a, a charity poker event last Friday, and um, 
they were like in awe, like, oh, I only dreamed of playing with Mike Madison, and that this is the greatest day of my life, and they were, and, I, and I was having so much fun with them, and I, I didn't really, really realize how much it, it meant to some people until that tournament. You know, I, I, I try and make things as best as I can. Uh, I mean, you've known me for a long time, you know, you know, I got a heart of gold, and I care about everybody, so uh you know that's uh i just try my best you know it's funny i remember meeting you probably 2005 and thinking wow this is mike mattis so you know famous guy famous poker player pretty mm-hmm. cool to meet him ever and you were like the friendliest guy you, you know he treated me like we were just two guys you know talking to shit uh at a poker table and you always felt made everyone feel really comfortable and and i admire that about you thanks man. um and really like a a, a sobering experience you know, I knew a lot of pros back then, but a, a lot of guys, I don't want to mention names, but there were a lot of guys who were both friends with me now that were dicks to me when, or sort of condescending when they didn't know who I was or, you know, I wasn't playing uh, the highest stakes at that time. And, right. you know, I don't get any of that now, but I remember how it was then. It, it was really, uh, it was a humbling experience to me. And, and you know, it, it was fun. And then, you know, we got to be good friends probably a year or two later. And, right. you know, I realized you were a jerk off just like me. So, it, it, you know, <laughs> exactly. we got a relationship I am a jerk off like you. We, you know, I tell people all the time. I love, I love playing with Matt, and I like, I like when he busts balls. I said the only thing I say is I'm like, the only difference between me and you is like, when we're playing 400, 800, and they they get twenty thousand loser, I back off. You you never back, you never back off. I think that's what the only thing I wish you, you know the. The guy's a good friend. You play with him every day. The guy's 20, 25, loser, back off. Not you. You just fucking go deeper at him, but that's okay. Sure. I mean, it's... I have a policy. If a winning player, a professional poker player, is stuck, stuck their balls, say they're stuck 50,000 in some corner right. of the game, right. and, and, I have a, and I can come up with a comment that's going to make a recreational player laugh, but even if the recreational player is winning 50,000, I don't really care, and I don't really care about the pro. All I'm doing there is, is, is trying to be an entertainer, and, and all, all I want... I'm the same. I'm the same way. I just, but I just, I, I back off at about the twenty-five to thirty thousand. I'm like, well, you know, he's he's a nice guy. I don't want, I don't want to. But before that, like the first twenty thousand, I'm like me, me and you. When me and you are at the table and they're and they misplay a hand or something, we'll be like, oh, uh, you you were just unlucky. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't pass it. I don't pass up in any opportunity. But in, in my defense, I do get it just just as much back, and I I never ever get upset when someone's leaning on me. So oh, I, I, be, I understand that it comes with the territory. I, believe me, it's there's. <laughs> I don't think there's anyone more fun to needle than you because because you dish it out so much. So exactly. it's kind of like little, little shit. I mean, uh, nobody for people out there don't know who that is. That's uh, what's Ryan's <laughs> last name. <laughs> Ryan Miller. He's, Ryan he's Miller. a ton of fun. A lot, almost every pro can't stand him, especially in Vegas. They oh my God, hate they him, hate him more than anyone. But uh, he dish, but he's different than me. He dishes out to everyone. Recreational player, pro. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. So well, it's, I, it's a little different. I think he just. I think it's just who he is, and he can't help it. And uh, whatever. He yeah. Gets in, he gets in good games, and he's, uh, he's he's a very successful poker player. Yeah. When he's in the four and eight games, I don't mind it. Like. But when he jumps in like a one and like he came into our one and two hundred game or eighty one sixty game, we had been playing for like I don't know me and Crazy Mike and for like thirty six twenty four hours whatever it was, and we told him when he sat down that you if you you have three strikes if you run your mouth about somebody misplaying a hand you get one strike if you say something about a hand you get two because we didn't want to hear it we've been playing forever and so he says okay okay and he got three strikes in like 15 minutes and broke the game and it was it really sucked because he's just an idiot but Anyway, so uh, I just got a text from uh, Todd Anderson. He wants to do uh, a Poker Night in America reunion from our first episode. And I, yeah. thought, I thought it was good. I got that text, Bill. That sounds amazing. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, I came up with the idea that we leave an empty chair with like a poster of Gavin in memory of Gavin. He's like, Oh, I didn't even think of that. It's a great idea, yeah. Mike. So, um, 
we're gonna he says he's definitely that's a great idea he wants to do that and uh so we'll look forward to doing that in august you know you're one of the very few poker players that is not a left-wing lunatic when it comes to politics because you kind of understand what's going on me and you uh we, I might be a little bit more right than you are, but you are, you understand it and you kind of get it. This show is mostly poker, but we do, we are going to talk of politics like once a month, and especially with the, I mean, I can't believe how crazy it's getting already with the 2020 elections like almost a year and a half away, and it's already getting nasty. You can go ahead and tell my listeners. Uh, you know, who you like, and then we can talk about things from there. Well, I am very left-leaning, liberal in also almost all social policies. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, last election in the primaries, mm-hmm. I was uh, pretty pumped about Donald Trump beating all the, the uh, right-wing Republicans and getting in there and trying to shake things up and kind of, right. you know, cleaning up the swamp, the things that he sort of was portraying that his was going to be his vision as far as just mm-hmm. breaking up the system, the, the, the monopoly we've had of Bush Clinton, Bush Clinton back and forth and that, that kind of, uh, the old, old school, uh, system going on. So I was pretty much convinced that he was going to be the right man for the job. Uh, when he, after he won the prior, I, I bet a lot of money on him to win the primary. So I did well there. Right. Uh, but when he was running, it became clear that he was kind of, uh, pandering too much to the religious right, which I didn't like. I'm really not not in favor of any kind of organized right. religion. I really don't make you feel uncomfortable, that kind well, of stuff. Um, and he was, uh, it was clear that he was going to appoint uh, right-leaning uh, justices to the Supreme Court. And that kind of uh, drew the line for me. So even, even though I really despised the thought of Hillary Clinton becoming president, mm-hmm. I voted for her only because of the Supreme Court. And wanted, I really want social-leaning justices uh, right. to be put on the court. And that's really because I have two teenage kids and I want them to grow up in a world, in a better world. And I don't really don't think that we can have that with uh, conservative judges going forward. Right. So well, that really is always going to be my main focus, no matter uh, who's nominated on either side, I'm going to be voting uh, Democrats just because of the Supreme Court. Interesting. You know, that's all kind of like politics. It's kind of like, you know, you, you've gone on and say you like Mayor Pete, for to get the nomination on the left and and he asked to pander to the left i mean he made a a statement uh oh he's for impeaching trump but that's only i know he's not actually for it because he's actually he has to lean with the left leaning base and um that's just what when you run as a democrat you have to do you know the right's going to come out and bash him just like the left comes out and bashes trump but somewhere in between you know you know what kind of the truth is i mean you know how evil our media is and uh, it's something i want to talk to you more about to our listeners a lot of pokers that don't understand how sick our media really is. Why don't you give them an idea? Well, it seems like the the entire media has turned into a clickbait, clickbait 2018, 2019 media, whereas, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't have that. So uh, papers or reporters could have their own uh, opinions or, or genuine opinions and have equal footing versus somebody else's Correct. genuine uh genuine opinion but today in today's world it seems impossible if if a reporter gives a genuine opinion and it's you know sort of moderate and sort of fair kind of in the middle Mm -hmm. it's not going to get much play they're not going to really have a job they're not going to really you know have get promoted or or have that get that kind of clout and this is if if a reporter goes far right or far left they're going to have an audience so it creates a dynamic where it's impossible to get uh sort of, the, I don't know if it's the fairest information or, or the cleanest information, but right. you're going to get, you're, you're, we're all exposed to extremes on both sides. Exactly. And it creates a huge problem in the media. And that's when, you know, when Donald Trump says the media is unfair or the left says the Fox is unfair, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's all the same thing. And, and I, when it, you hear people say it's uh, a, a false, uh, 
what's the word uh, for it? Uh, the, a false uh, or, or fake news or, or whatever. And, and right. it kind of is fake news. It, it, I mean, I listen, I, I, unfortunately, because, you know, I was bedridden for a long time. I was kind of like stuck at home, either watching sports or politics. So I, um, you know, I would watch Fox. And the only thing I watch on Fox now is Tucker Carlson. I don't watch any of the other extreme right. It's just too much for me. And I, But I also watch Cuomo on CNN. And that's about it because I think, they're about the two most centered, even though Cuomo's left and and um, Tucker's on the right. But um, it's it's unbelievable that you see a story and then you turn on. Let's say it's a positive story for Trump, and you turn on left wing media and they completely spin it into something outrageously anti-Trump and then you see a story that say that is truthfully negative Trump and you see the right-wing media spin it like oh well that's not actually what happened and then they try spin it into a positive Trump it's just so bad when when just what they say I mean just like you know what's going on now i mean the guy writes a manifesto saying he attacked the jews at the synagogue in san diego because trump is pro israel and i hate jews uh you would think so what does the left-wing media do they spin it into trump supporting white nationalism and he's anti-jew which is complete false and fake news they why don't they just tell the truth that that what the guy said in his manifesto. Here, here's the thing, Mike, and, and people need to understand this. The way I like to look at things like this is, is why is it happening? Right. And you have to understand that it's not some kind of evil network uh, from the left trying to make this uh, far left liberal news uh, dominate the TV or, or the newspapers. And it's also not some kind of far right uh, religious group Correct. Scheming to do the same thing. What it is, it's the nature of, of business, the nature of capitalism. And because of the internet, because of social media, Correct. it just it just pays the bills to go that way. So right. when you're running a company and the, you're getting, the more clicks you're getting are directly, across, uh, directly in relation to how far left-leaning your, your articles are, you're going to keep going more and more left. Correct. And the same thing's on the right side. So the so it doesn't pay to to kind of dissect the news fairly because people aren't going to, going to click on it. Well, that's you, that's what the money so- is not there. So that's just so it's not some kind of evil uh, network on either side trying to to make yeah. this the situation. It's just exactly. a nature of the beast, no. and you need to fix the underlying underlying uh, capitalism uh, problem. I I actually think Mayor Pete touches on this not necessarily with the media, but he he talks about. Uh, capitalism without democracy and that's sort of what the media situation is right now in the united states yeah and you know news media has always been about reporting the actual news and now i mean let's be honest i mean cnn msnbc is just uh an arm for the democratic party it's just like fox is an arm for the gop and i just think that that this country could truly in our lifetime which i never thought i'd ever say this could be at civil war uh, in not so distant future because of media driven lies on both sides would you you think that what i'm saying is is crazy oh it sounds crazy now, but maybe it won't be crazy in two years. Look how much we've changed in the last five years. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. That's why I like Mayor Pete so much. He's a, uni- a uniter, not a divider. Mm-hmm. And every Republican candidate, well, Trump is on the Republican side, but every other Democratic candidate maybe except uh, Andrew Yang, who's yeah. sort of like like uh, Mayor Pete in this regard. But every other candidate I is agree. pretty much a divider, and not a uniter. They don't want to hear from the other side. They just want to keep... Uh, vil- uh, vilifying the other side and keep going more and more left and I don't think that's the way you want to go in the future it's just going to be bring more of the same sort of put everything in reverse for the next four years but you bring in someone like I would love to see there's no one I'd like to see more than Mayor Pete with a nomination for the 
Democratic side and have and even have Andrew Yang as his running mate. And those two young guys, I, I just can giggle myself having those seeing those two young guys on the campaign trail versus Trump and by and Trump and uh, Pence. It would be just a joy to see those guys debate the older guys, kind of run around and 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 put on rallies. It would just be it would be so funny to, to see how they run circles around Trump and Pence. Well, Whether you agree with the right policies, Trump policies or, or not, to have these two real smart guys, young, smart, energetic guys against two old guys, very old school, um, conservative guys, it, it would be really a treat to see. See, now I'm, I'm also um, I'm touching on what you just said about capitalists and it's all about money, and which is why I'm on the record saying this. In the next year and a half, there's going to be so much divide. Everybody, it's going to be blood. It's probably going to be bloodier than Trump Clinton. And that was really bloody. And I just say this to people, okay? When you said it's all about the money, I believe that the left is going to push a candidate that can't beat Trump because they need Trump in office to make money. He makes them billion, about a billion dollars a month just in revenue by them talking shit about him. And if he's out of office, I mean, who are they gonna talk about? And that's crazy. I know that sounds like a real crazy conspiracy thought, but when Trump says, oh, I'm not worried about losing 2020, they need me in office, I'm worth too much money to them, I think he's telling the truth. That is crazy talk, but I mean, I, I see what your point is. You're trying to what you're saying, um, but the reality of it is, the people. It, it's not money for the people. You're talking about money for certain networks or for certain newspapers, which right. which do have some maybe you know certain individuals that have uh, divisive intentions due to that. But here, here's the way I look at it. Sort of to your point, uh, there could be the most divisiveness divisiveness in the next year and a half, two years. So let's say we nominate Elizabeth Warren and she goes up against Trump. Now you're looking at max divisiveness in the, in the country. Right. Just max mayhem, exactly what you're talking about. Well, If you put up somebody like Andrew Yang or, or Mayor Pete, who really don't really want to go after the other side, they really just want to improve the country mm-hmm. by putting new ideas to work and, and sort of figuring things out as we go along to get to the place we want to be. Mm-hmm. That's like minimum divisiveness, and you and you run. Let's say you run Mayor Pete versus Trump. It's it might be divisiveness from Trump, mm-hmm. and it's going to cost them. But no, Mayor Pete's not going to go down that route. I I think Trump Trump knows because Pete is a gay man, and I know that shouldn't make a difference. But he will be much easy. He will not go hard, as hard on a Mayor Pete than he would on anyone else, of the, especially the crazy leftists that are running. I've told you this more than once, and I, I'm on the record to say the only one I would vote for would be Tulsi Gabbard. I really like her. She, again, is, she's very unifying. She comes out right after the Mueller report and said, we should all be happy that our president didn't collude with Russia instead of all being upset about it the report coming out that he didn't collude with Russia and that we should put it behind us and try and move the country forward. That's the thing is, as much as you like Mayor Pete, and I like him too, don't get me wrong, what do you think the Democrats, what policies do they have that's going to move the country forward? That's the important thing that needs to be reached to people. What's your, you know, okay, well, let me correct, let me correct you on one thing and then I'll answer your question. Sure. Let me correct you on one thing about, you said Mayor Pete said he wants to impeach Trump. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. I've listened. I don't either, but I heard him. He did say it, but I, I just okay. believe that he just he, says it because he has to give some meat to the, to the base. That's all. But I've, heard, I've heard him say several times that he would, he would like to see him voted out in the ballot box and that's how we you right. move the country forward right. and go and go forward. But I didn't, I, 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 I did heard him say that. On the, town, on the town hall he was on, they asked him about it. Do you think Trump should be impeached? And he says, uh, okay. yeah, yeah, he did. Well, he I, thinks- I actually agree. I, I think he deserves to be uh, impeached. For what? Because because he runs the government like he's a mob boss. 
Well, he runs a, he runs the country <laughs> like it's a business. And, yeah, he uh, runs, but he runs it like he's a mob boss. But there, there's no consequences for anything he does, and and he you know he, he can't can't continue to do that. But no, saying that that I think he deserves to be impeached. I don't think it's best for the country to right. get impeached. Well, that's the thing. That's the Democrats to run on him getting impeached uh, at this at this state. I think it just hurts them. So well, I think the best way to do it is just to vote him out of office and and just kind of, sort of try to unify the country. And move yeah. forward uh, with progressive policies, but really just try to bring everyone together and, and just vote them out of office. Listen, I'm still pro-Trump, but I there's a lot of things that really upset me about Trump. I mean, I really believed that when he got in office, he'd be much more presidential. I thought he had way bigger chance of bringing the country together than Hillary did. And I still believe that. I mean, she's out there just saying crazy shit to the day. Uh, So I'll never apologize for taking Trump over Hillary ever because she's just, just an evil person. You know, I could understand people on the left like, being offended by a lot of the things he said. If I was if I was left leaning, I would I would be just incensed by half the things he says. So you know I do understand that, but I also understand that the more they attack Trump and lie, the stronger they make his base. If they didn't figure that out by 2016, you would think they would figure it out now. What do you what, what's your opinion on that? I mean that, that's that's obvious, but I don't think they can help themselves. Yeah, they um, can. It's just, it's just human nature. Yeah. But here, here's the thing: I I, be, I believe that he deserves to get impeached. Mm-hmm. I do not want him to get impeached. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. But let me answer your question. You asked what policies in the left do yeah. I really like? Yeah. So like the most the most important policy for 2020 is probably going to be health care. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where everyone's saying uh, Medicare for all that kind of. Uh, every, yeah. I think every Democratic candidate is saying Medicare for all, except for Pete. You know what Pete's saying? Because Pete's, Pete's a thinker. He has solutions. Mm-hmm. Pete, Pete's saying he wants to move towards a single-payer health care system, but that, that's in the long run. He wants to. He proposes implementing a public option on the Obamacare marketplace first. Marketplace first. Right. And he calls this not Medicare for all, but Medicare for all who want it. Okay? And right. what, what that means is he's going to put it, make it as an option on the uh, Obamacare marketplace, so anyone can choose it, anyone who wants to, but there's still going to be private insurers. Um, people can choose that. And what his theory is, is if we do a good enough job as a government in, in healthcare, then eventually everyone's going to choose Medicare for all who want it. And then there won't be any need for private uh, insurance in the future. So basically he's putting the onus on the government saying we have to do a better job than, than the, the private sector. And if we can do that, then we'll get our single payer healthcare system. Yeah. How can you argue against that? How can anyone not see that he's just a forward thinker and wants to solve problems rather than just have a slogan? You know, most of these candidates are just sloganeering, putting out these these plans that aren't solutions, and it's just good good uh, marketing techniques. Well, I think I think Medicare for all will destroy the country. I mean, I, I me me being a person that's been sick for the last four years and I got, you know, I get an MRI every six months. I, I have to go to a pain doctor every month. I, I've been through hell and back. I know what it takes what it, for a private insurance company just to approve of, let's say, an MRI or an x-ray or, you know, you have to get approval, right? If the government ran it, um, I would be paralyzed right now because it would probably take three months to improve to approve it, um, and my father would be dead right now. Uh, he needed a heart surgery immediately, and they'd have just waited till he died to not pay for it. So, like, I talked to the doctors, and they're just like the thought they 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 deal with the insurance companies and how hard it is. The thought of them having to deal with the government is like it's like painful. People don't realize a lot of people out there don't understand that like Obamacare, when he put the individual mandate on it, which were forcing people to pay um, to not have Obama, that's a, that was unconstitutional. And you can't force people to pay into a government run healthcare if they don't want to. I just happened to say to Daniel, like, you know, because he was pushing uh, signing up for 
Obamacare. I go, Daniel, do you do you have Obamacare? I'm like, how much do you pay a month? I go, I, I pay $954 a month for my insurance right now. And he's like, I don't know, my 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 assistant pays for it. And I'm just like, <laughs> well, there you go. You're pushing a healthcare thing that you don't even know for private businesses that after 27 days, they would have to um, pay for government-run healthcare. So people would, they'd hire people at the 27th day, they just fire them. It was the biggest job killer in the United States. I would rather see them, hey, you want Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, you pay into it if you want it, and if you don't want it, you get your private healthcare, which is kind of what you were kind of saying about Mayor Pete was, was saying. It if sounds you like want you agree hundred percent with Mayor Pete. Right. That's so, uh, that's just how, how I lean, you know, I also, you know, lean like as far as guns go, I, I, I'm an anti-gun person, but I understand people with the second amendment. I believe that everybody should have the right to own a, a pistol and a shotgun if they want to hunt. I'm again, of course I'm anti-hunting, but that's just the way I am. But they can't go out and think they're going to take people's guns that have, I mean, AR-15s or whatever they have in their in their gun closet, and that's just not going to fly. Those are just slogans. That's what I'm telling you. Those aren't plans. When uh, Swalwell or right. you know Warren says that, they're not well thought out plans. They're slogans. They they're, they're getting votes, and they don't really have any kind of solutions with regards to those situations. And and that and that's what pretty much pretty much what Mayor Pete says. He says, look, you know, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the solutions, but let's figure it out. Let's figure them out together. Let's not pin ourselves down to, to uh, Medicare for all as the, as the end all or, or right. no, or ban all guns or, or let every, you know, look, look, look at Beto. Beto made the, the oh my biggest God. mistake uh, when he was about a month ago. With the wall? He said, not only do I, no, he said, not only do I want to not, not build any, any of Trump's walls, but I want to tear the walls down. We, currently have on the border. I know. And, you know, that, that's obviously just pandering, trying to sl- sloganeer. And it was politics. Um, to to it's just, it makes no sense whatsoever. And that, and ever since then, he's been kind of a joke. Right. So yeah, they, they make these gone. kind of comments because they, they're, they're fight they're kind of fighting with each other to go farther and farther left. Right. Um, and it's not really, they're not really reaching for solutions. They're reaching, reaching for val- uh, validity among the, the far left. Right. And hopefully that doesn't take shape. Hopefully someone like uh, Yang or, or, or Buttigieg well, gets like, in there. I think Biden can beat Trump, but I don't know. But I know this. He's everything that all the Bushes and the Clintons stood for. And when you see social media or you see the CNNs or the Foxes, they're always pushing the fringe on the right or the fringe on the left. And 80% of the country is nowhere near what they're pushing in the, on the media. Yeah. You, uh, you don't have to worry about Biden. Biden to me, he's the front runner right now, but he, he doesn't, he's a very good guy. Nice guy. A yeah, great nice guy. guy. Everyone likes him, right? But he's not, he doesn't inspire anyone. He's an no. old guy. He's kind of just there. He's not really inspiring people. I agree. Um, the last two elections, so Obama won the nomination because he inspired people. Then Trump won his nomination because he inspired people on the other side. And it's probably going to be someone who inspires people on the left. Yeah. Um, you know, Warren, Sanders both inspire people. Uh, Yang and Mayor Pete both inspire people. I'm not sure if anyone else on the left inspires people, but those uh, four candidates, are probably, one of them is probably going to be the nominee because – you have to inspire people. You have to inspire them to want to go out and vote and support you. Well, that's you know that's the thing about Trump. I mean, Trump went out whether you believe it or not, and you know he inspired people. He got people believing in whether he said whether you like his politics or not. I mean, he's he really is a great politician for somebody that never was a politician, and he he knows how to push the right buttons. But the only one I'm really anti was Beto and. Sanders and only, and Sanders because like he's a socialist. I mean, you know, he's telling all these kids free college when you know as well as I know there's nobody getting free fucking college. It's just not not going to happen. It's unrealistic. Just like the Green New Deal is unrealistic. And I just I want to see you know the people on the left push forward policies to drive the country forward that are realistic, not out of the box and I that's why I really like 
Howard Schultz. I if Howard I don't understand why Howard Schultz doesn't want to run as a Democrat, why he wants to run as an independent. I talked to uh, Congressman Billy Long from Missouri. He's um he's a, a GOP and he he's he's good friends with Howard Schultz. He he thinks that Howard Schultz would have a great shot to win the nom- the election. So, you know, he's not interested in, in associating with the tactics of the left. Yeah. Know, or the right for that matter, but he's not—he's not really in, interested in that. He's just trying—he's trying to put out a platform that that what he thinks the country needs or wants, and, and move yeah. forward. And, and the fact that, that many Democrats tell him they shouldn't run mm-hmm. is ridiculous. For for anybody to tell anybody they shouldn't run is ridiculous. If ridiculous. You, if you don't think another guy should run because his policies or or make them attract more attractive to people than your policies, then change your policies. Yeah. But don't tell the guy not to run. Exactly. And we live in a capitalist country, you know. I wouldn't have made the money I made in poker. You wouldn't have made the money you made in poker if we didn't live in a capitalist country. I mean, where where in the world could you have no money one day and be a millionaire the next? You know what I mean? I, I like to joke around with uh, the people in the high roller circuit when they win like 10, I win a tournament for 10 or 12 or 13 million. I'm going to go, how are you going to like it when the government wants to take uh, 70% and then if you live in New York or California, that's state tax, uh, it's 84%. When they take 84% of your 13 million, are you going to like that policy? Because <laughs> it's just unrealistic. It's just crazy talk, you know? I Sounds like you like Mayor Pete because the other thing you just brought up five minutes ago was that the free college thing, and he's yeah. against free college. Yeah, I told I told my girl that because she she had said <laughs> that that he was for that. I'm like, no, he never said that. You know, he's he. I have I have a feeling you're going to be sporting Mayor Pete before the before the uh, next election. Well, I, I will. <laughs> on, I, if if Tulsi Gabbard doesn't get any traction or Howard Schultz doesn't, I mean, there's 100. There is nobody on the left that I would vote for, except for Mayor Pete. I mean, I'm being a, I'm dead honest, and it ain't because you like him and I'm pandering to you as of a friend. Not. I'm being, no, I'm being no. dead honest. I could never support crazy left-wing insanity policies that could never come to fruition. People are like, think that I'm like crazy right-wing. I'm, I'm, not, I'm just not crazy right-wing. I, I don't want government in my life. I want capitalism. I want to be able to make money. You know, I was just listening to one of your crazy rants. Oh yeah, talking about not being crazy. No, yeah, I'm well, I, I, you know, I, you know how I am and everything. <laughs> yeah. You know, I tell people all the time, the I'm, a, I, I got more, more involved in politics. But I, I, I go blame Matt Glantz, <laughs> and they go, <laughs> I, I like to say it because I'm like, I'll never forget when you texted me and you said, this. Negranu's lost his mind. He's calling Trump Hitler and he's going to kill everyone and destroy the world. And he's like, you got to put him in his place. You got a bunch of followers. And I was just like, and I didn't know nothing about politics. You know, I'm like, okay. So I just pushed back on it. I had no idea that politics was a divisive bloodbath. And if you think different than anybody else, it's going to make somebody hate you or the whole poker world like fucking hate you because you have, because your views on policy are different. Like, I mean, I I thought you were even more centered. I didn't know you were, you were far, like you were left leaning, but uh, it's good. You know, it's good to hear that you are, you know, I like listening to people that have opposing views than me because I, you know, then that you could sit, we could talk, we could debate issues. And the problem with our country now is there, there is no debating issues. It's like, if you disagree with me, go fuck yourself. You know, it's just crazy. Right, right. You know, I'm very aligned with the progressive left in policy, right? but very unaligned with the progressive left on tactics. Correct. I, just oh, I, I don't ever want to be associated with the tactics. I think it's terrible. Right. It's, it's disgusting. It rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. And in, in defense of, of Daniel, what you were talking about before, yeah. he wasn't the only poker players uh, saying that Trump was Hitler. Right. There was a lot of poker players right before the election that saying Trump was Hitler. Right. And I remember at the time, even though I was voting for Hillary, there, there's no way you could, in your right mind you could, you could kind of equate Trump or Trump's presidency to anything that Hitler did. Right. And and, and, and I tell people I tell people this all the time. It's like as someone like me who's Jewish and, and I'm I'm not religious Jew, but I practice, you know, I I mean I'm not a good Jew, but I'm a I'm I'm 
I'm an average Jew, you know. And, and, you know, and when you, people go out and they start saying saying Hitler, Hitler, they're what they're doing is they're they're discouraging of what Hitler did, and they're 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 trying to rub it under the mat. Like people, you know, what Hitler did is the most insane thing that was ever done in the history of the of the world. And when you start equating like a guy like Trump to Hitler, it's like ridiculous and the, it's just so funny like uh, they, oh trump's a racist trump ain't a racist they just he just says things harsh he says things you know like he doesn't think before he talks but he's not fucking racist please i mean you could well, say trump is, is a is a mob boss who can't see the perspective from anyone else's side he's a yeah. child he's yeah. petulant i agree he mm-hmm. <laughs> he's all these things but it's, it's so far from hitler yeah it, <laughs> I'm not trying to say Trump's a good guy anyway. He's a real, he's, he's a real bad. Listen, guy. he's a probably. He's no I have no problem saying that Trump's probably a piece of shit because all politicians are piece of shit. That's just the way I look at it. Anyways, uh, so you uh, you work uh, you represent uh, what Sugar House is it called? No, I not anymore. I uh, I spent three years. Uh, from 2012 to 15 with the Parks Casino. Right. Uh, that's not outside of Philly, and then. I spent from uh, after that 2015 to the end of t- last year, 2018, uh, with uh, Rush Street Gaming, which owned Poker Night America. That's where most people know me from. Right. And uh, four casinos in Ch- New York, Chica- uh, Chicago, Philly, and Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. And, so you're yeah, not doing so now, anything right now, huh? Uh, I did not renew after 2018. Okay. So I am just playing poker now, kind of sort of like semi-retired. Oh, I like that. And uh, how are your kids doing? Good? We're getting big? Two healthy, thriving teenagers. I'm very, very fortunate. Well, that's good to hear. That's real good to hear. All right. Well, Matt. I just want to say I, just want to say I love the mouthpiece. Oh, thanks, buddy. And I appreciate I it. I wish you the best. I see your podcast is killing it. Yeah. You keep moving up the ranks. Um, I know anything you'll do, you'll be successful in. So I really uh, i am glad I'm one of your first guests in the mouthpiece. And uh, I'll always remember that. And listen i appreciate it you know and i i respect anybody who has a left-leaning view at, at, at all times on politics i want to hear what they have to say the, I, the thought process of somebody not being my friend over a political view is unbelievable i couldn't even i mean would you have ever thought i mean let's even even that your your policies are left could you have ever thought in ever in this country that if somebody wore a make America great again hat that they could be attacked as being racist because they're pro Trump. I mean, that happens every day. It's absurd. It's really absurd. Let's end on a happy note and look forward to August, uh, having the reunion of the first ever program in America. That's where, uh, you made the show famous. And I think you also made Sean Dean famous on that. And that one, yeah, and, and where he slow rolled you with with qualifies. Yeah, when he went for me and I knew it was up. That was one of the best moments in poker. So, <laughs> what do you what, rehashing that in August? All right, all right, Matt. Well, it's it's really good talking to you. Um, it's been great conversation, and uh, I appreciate you uh, coming on the mouthpiece. And uh, can't wait to talk to you and catch up at the World Series. See you in a month, buddy. You got it, buddy. Take care. Bye. The mouthpiece. I hope you all enjoyed episode nine and look forward to special episode 10, which is going to be tomorrow, which will be all the phone calls that were called in for my giveaway where I gave away 1% of my 10K buy-ins this year at the World Series. And if you called in, you know how much fun we had. We'll see you next week on The Mouthpiece.